Good evening, everyone, and uh, welcome to this evening's membership virtual Q&A panel. I'm Tarquin McDonald, Chief Exec at the club, and tonight I'm joined by our Director of Rugby, Stuart Hooper, Head Coach Neil Hatley, Sports Performance Psychologist Katie Warriner, and our Back Row Dynamo, Miles Reid. So, uh, this evening is the second of a series of monthly membership uh, events through the season. And we're going to keep the focus primarily on rugby this evening, as we did last time. Future events, we'll talk a bit more widely about club matters in the community foundation and also the stadium. And in addition to these events, and as promised uh, last month, we're providing you with much more behind the scenes content. We've got team selection insight, which is Stuart talking about uh, the team on the day of the game and also Bath Rugby on the scene, some other behind the scenes content. So hopefully you've been enjoying that. Now, in terms of the format this evening, it's broken down into two main sections. The first of those, we're going to really talk about our game um, currently and looking a little bit ahead to Newcastle and beyond the rest of the season. And then we're going to get into culture, uh, our culture, the environment, training and preparation. And Last time we came together, we had a lot of questions uh, on those areas. So we're going to have a real focus around that in the second half of the event. And so you'll you'll see and hear from the panel. Now, at the end of each section, um, we're going to uh, take questions from the floor from you. So lastly, actually, um, just before we get started, obviously, uh, most of you, if not all of you, will uh, will know Stuart, Miles, uh, Hats uh, and myself. I'm sure you will have heard the name of Katie Warren, but uh, we're incredibly lucky to have her with us this evening. And what I thought I'd do before we get started is just ask you, Katie, if that's OK, just to provide a little bit of background in terms of your clinical ex expertise, uh, your experience working in sport, and just to give context to the role that you have here at the club working with Joe, just so we, we understand that now. And then obviously we'll, we'll dig more into the culture side of things a little bit later on. Yeah, that sounds good. Thanks, Tarquin. And it's great to be with you this evening, actually. It makes a nice change from uh, doing the dinner duties. So <laughs> thanks for getting me out of it. Um, I've, in terms of my clinical experience, I've got over 10 years working primarily in Olympic sport. Um, I've been very, very fortunate to work as part of Team GB into the London Olympics, helping some of our athletes and coaches prepare to, to perform when it matters most to them. And then into the Rio Olympics as well, and planning on into Tokyo. And alongside that, of course, the role with Bath, which is, is something I'm hugely passionate about and we're growing um, as we go. Um, my work is really holistic in terms of primarily in sport but actually essentially um, anyone with a big dream, anyone with an ambition of some sort. So I work with surgeons, I work with school teachers, um, anyone that's got a passion and, and I feel a connection with and, and just yeah that we want to work hard with. And the role at Bath, I love. Um, it's so eclectic, it's so challenging. So it's everything from kind of how do, what's the culture we want to create? How do we, how do we want to behave? What are our values? What are our attitudes? Um, how do we develop the players and the coaches from a mental skills perspective to be able to train incredibly hard, to be able to perform when it matters? Um, we look at team dynamics and relationships and how we get the best out of each other. Um, and of course, as well, the mental, mental health side of things. So alongside my, my teammate Joe I'm working really closely with the coaches as well uh, it's a it's an absolutely incredible role I feel very very privileged to to be a part of the team so thanks for having me this evening brilliant thank you Katie great um great intro we'll we'll hear a lot more about that in the second part of the evening so we're going to get started now and talk about um about our game and Stuart I'll start with 
you. We've had some very good results since we came together for the last membership event. Great performance, great win at Sale, uh, gritty win against Gloucester at the Wreck, and that amazing fight back at um, Franklin's Gardens. And then, obviously, disappointed on Saturday with the result, but some great attacking play. Can you talk about what's been driving the performances and results that we've seen over these recent weeks? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, first of all, uh, welcome back, everyone, if you're here for, since last time, or welcome to the new people. Um, I will answer Tarquin's question, but I just want to commend uh, Richard Knight on his question about Tarquin's hair first up in the, in the questions on the right. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen this. We were all thinking it, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you can't see those questions for whatever reason, Richard Knight's asked if Tarquin is looking forward to the barbers being back open. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, back to, to, to Tarquin's question. I think, if I'm honest, the, the games that you mentioned, um, they probably had a bit of a thing. Like as, um, in professional sport, we always talk about performance, and performance gets us results. And the, the last four games have probably had a bit of everything. I think... Um, the, the win up at Sale was a, was a genuine quality performance all round. Uh, they're a good side. They're in good form. Uh, they were on a bounce from from their change uh, of, of structure, um, and that was a that was a tough tough win for our lads. Like they dug in against the top side. Um, the Gloucester game, on the flip side, was an average performance, an outstanding result. Um, beating Gloucester is always good. At the wreck is even better, and um, yeah, that was a average performance as I said but, but but an outstanding result and then Northampton away I thought again was a in parts absolutely quality performance which brought about um, a good result parts of it you know we could have we could have done better but yeah it, that, that was a that was pleasing on performance and and results and then the extra game yeah I think look at on reflection massively frustrating because it's a game we could have and, and should have won um, but then the score comes out as it did, and um, yeah, it wasn't a. It was a very frustrating afternoon um, and review process, albeit with a huge amount of positives. Because the rugby we played for thirty minutes, the rugby the lads played for thirty minutes was, um, in parts, outstanding and hugely enjoyable for them and for I'm sure you guys uh, watching or listening or following at home. So um, it's been a it's been a big month. It's been a a month where we've learnt an awful lot about ourselves and also clarified a lot of areas that we want to continue to develop and um, expose the lads to so that we can, you know, consistently beat teams like Exeter and, and the other ones. And Steve, one of the things, it feels like our attacking game has really started to emerge over these few weeks. And I, I heard uh, Rob Baxter was, um, was very complimentary about the first half display and, and how they were tested. And it feels like we created a lot more opportunities, ball in the um, hands of players in wide channels. Can you, can you talk about, has this been a tactical change or is this more about execution or is it something else? Um, I think... I think that there's a number of things. There's never one thing. Like people will listen to when I talk post match, and they'll, you know, they'll pick up on comments whereby, like, it's never one thing. If you lose, it's never one thing, and if you, or very rarely, it's one thing. And if you come through a period of time where you're getting better and putting performances in, equally, it's never one thing. Like we, we've had a, a an effort in a number of areas of the game, but the, the biggest thing to, I guess, understand is that 
it's so interconnected, like defence leads to attack. The reason we defend is to win the ball back. The reason we win the ball back is to score tries. Um, and, you know, credit to Hats and the coaches, that the work they've done in that area, primarily with our defence, allowing people to get back on their feet um, and get us the ball back, allow us to score tries. And I think the, the examples that you saw um, probably... You know, in, in all those games, but primarily lots of people have picked up on the ones in the Exeter game where there was space out wide. Um, and the things that Rob talked about was how they, you know, they couldn't they couldn't cope with our transition when we attacked off turnover ball or off, you know, uh, kick counter ball when they kick the ball. If you notice in that game, the amount of times they kick the ball to Tom de Glanville and, and we have an opportunity to attack. So it's all interlinked, really. But um yeah, of course, there's been an effort. We want we want to play rugby where we have the ball in our hands from transition and challenge teams when they're at the most vulnerable. I think the extra game's an example. And what Rob was alluding to was we made seven line breaks against Exeter um, and they've conceded two line breaks in the previous three games in total. So for them, it was it was a massive challenge and obviously it didn't end where we wanted it to, but that's a, that's a big positive for us. And... Um... Like hats, if I can send to you now a little bit, getting into a bit more detail about our attack. And I, but we we focus a lot on our attacking shape and speed of ball, lightning quick ball. Can you just talk a little bit around our attacking shape, what you're trying to create, and how you go about coaching that in the week, and then maybe come on and talk about speed of ball and, and how important that is. Yeah, I think like Hoop said, talking it's all interlinked. So we, you know. For large periods of the season, we haven't defended well enough. We put a lot more time, um, and that was a conscious decision into, I think I said this last time, into how we want to attack with the players that we've got. Um, you know, so when we looked at the squad, uh, we looked at the background that we've got, the carriers that we've got, and it, it's more speed and agility over brute force, and, and that's the way that, that we've put the squad together. So f for us, it's trying to, you know, like a portion, the right time, to where we need a certain area of the game to go forward. And then we look at, at how we can keep improving our defense so we get more moments of transition. If you remember post-lockdown, I think in those games we scored 15 or 16 tries was the highest in the league in terms of transition. Um, we defended a bit better then, or we defended a lot better then. So we're, we're looking continuously to improve those areas. And I think once, like Hoop said, that you get people like Tom de Glanville and when he's back, JJ, Joe, Wilmia, um, you know, Miles, Toby, PDC, people carrying on those edges, like the, the speed of the ball above everything else. So it's speed above shape, speed above everything. You know, speed is what kills in terms of rugby. So it's to try and keep that speed into the game. Um, and again, that's that's an area that's got even harder now because uh, the, 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 and quite rightly so, the laws around the clean have become. Um, a lot more brutal in terms of, of how you how you connect with people at the breakdown. You know, maybe in years gone by, you could just really just dive in and whack everyone moving. So those have changed and for the right reasons. Um, so that's getting harder and harder to generate that sort of quick ball that you're talking about. But that's the work that we're putting in. You know, we're, we're putting it on the, the hopefully defending better and then the transition that we get from that. And then once we've got speed in the game is to keep it in the game when it suits us. And then only then, when that dries up, then do we start looking at our attacking shape. You know, there's not there's not a huge difference in, in what a lot of sides do in terms of shape, where they try and play wide, wide, or excuse the rugby terms, or one three three one, where you have one forward on an edge 
two two sets of three in the middle, another one on the edge. So there's not a huge amount of variation. Um, for us, it's about getting the right people on the ball. So we want people like Zach Mercer, Toby Falatel, um, Miles, Ant, um, when he's back, JJ, Wilmia. We want the ball in their hands. So everything's about speed in into the game and getting the ball in the right people's hands, which we haven't done previously. We didn't do post lockdown. We had better. We had some decent results, but we were. It was a little bit. Um, we were we were probably not as broad in terms of way that we that we you know when we sat down with hoops in the group how we want to play the game, and I think they were starting to get that. And how do you um, yeah, that focus on the speed that you talked about? You said the you know you, you said that time and again that 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 tempo. How you know how do you bring that in? Um, you know in the training sessions. How do you instill that in the players? What how how, how does that work? Um, I, I think that's through the way that we set training up. So we try and make it sort of whole part whole. So we don't just look at like a drill in isolation. We'll look at the things that lead into a good carry. Um, you know, how we want to, where we want to take the ball, how we hit the ball, you know, we take the ball moving, etc. things like that. And then just the different ways to keep speed in the game because there's 15 other blokes trying to stop speed. Um, you know, some of the ball that we got in that first 30 minutes against Exeter, some of the ball, um, you know, that you saw the offloads from Josh Matavasi, people like that. So it's trying to create as few moments of contact as we can. Um, and that's just about training design. So how do we put that into training um, in with just the forwards and then with the team together? So we've changed up our training days on a Tuesday to look like much more like a defense transition day. So um you know we're, we're getting more and more moments of it in training to make sure that it transfers through to the game on the weekend yeah and miles coming to you and, um uh, brilliant to have you here this evening and it's been brilliant watching your performances over um you know over these recent these recent weeks i think the if we go back to the sale game um which was yeah, it felt significant in terms of the performance it felt like a confident win watching the game it um you know just watching the game it felt like we were always going to win that game not to, you know and it came off the back of incredible hard work um 30 tackles i think from yourself and um dunny on 34 i think that was almost as much as the whole starting 15 of of sale which was which was pretty amazing but it's the things that i really remember from from the game with the confidence the belief in the team and they look like real enjoyment as well um and i just wondered about that as a as a player coming into the game did you how did you feel um you know up at sale in that day did you expect that sort of performance and you know, what what were the key factors in delivering that performance uh yeah like you say Tarquin, it, it was a massive win you know to go to go to sale uh, and pick up the points there is it's huge especially on a friday night you know we've had some games there which have uh been very low scoring uh, in, the, in the past so yeah it was massive for us I think you know from the Bristol game obviously we were very disappointed ourselves you know that wasn't us um, that's not what, how we want to play the game how we want to kind of get results and move up the table um, moving into the Harlequins game we kind of you know we felt like it was building from there you know a lot in that game a lot of young lads had opportunities stepping up um, obviously Bayless was in the second row never never played there before um, so yeah, we felt it building from there, um, and I think going into that cell one, you know, they're they're a physical physical team. Uh, you have to match them up front. That's how you beat them. 
Um, so we just went up there with the mindset that, you know, that we're going to throw everything at them. You know, we needed, we needed to win that one. Um, and I think there's, there's a clip in that, in that game where we defended for five minutes straight, um, bang them back, bang them back and eventually win the turnover. And I think that epitomised the whole game, really. Um, you could see the intent there from all the lads. Um, like you say, Donny, you know, I was pretty, pretty annoyed he got four more than me. Um, he keeps on reminding me that he's, uh, He's, uh, do his ears ever? I saw him at training today, and there was blood coming off his ear. Do his ears ever stop bleeding? <laughs> I don't think so. I feel sorry for his uh, for his wife because his bed sheets must be ruined. Um, but yeah, no, well, I, heard, I, I heard I heard she made him sleep on a uh, sort of dark pillow, so the uh, you know, so they didn't ruin a kind of white pillowcase. But anyway, yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, but yeah, no, the feeling after that game was amazing. You know, I think that gave us confidence going into the next two. Um, you know, it's something we're we're trying to build on, and uh, you know, our defence in that game was a was incredible. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, something I was thinking coming down from Manchester, I thought obviously there's there's so many limits in terms of the time that you guys have together mm. um, that it felt that win and that performance, and then you know, having the long bus journey home, you might felt differently about it. But I sort of thought actually that being able to just enjoy that moment because there was a journey felt like that was, um, you know, it wouldn't have been the same if it was just down the road or, or whatever it may have been. So it felt like that was actually maybe a good moment to savour as well. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, uh, at the moment, I'm probably enjoying away games a bit more just, just for the fact that you can spend after game with the boys, you know, when we have a home game, you've, you've got due to COVID, obviously you've got to be off site by, by a certain time. So just have that time with the boys. I think is really important after a game. Um, you know, in terms of in terms of your recovery as well, I think being able to enjoy yourself and celebrate a win is just as just as big as you know your your nutrition, your sleep after the game. Um, I know yeah. Katie will like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, no, yeah. Well, I'd be interested actually, Katie. And I know we're going to come and talk about culture, but um, we talk about and we talk about the ten thousand and eighty. So that you know the the ten thousand minutes, the week, the preparation that informs. Uh, the 80 minutes of the game and like, likewise the game and the result can inform the preparation and it's human nature to be critical when things go uh, when things go wrong when things don't go well and when things do go well just to enjoy the moment and um, I just was interested in your views around how important how important it is to use victory not just to enjoy that positive feeling but also how how important is to use it to build and reinforce specific learning as you then go into the next week heading into the next game yeah it's a fascinating one and miles you're right like it's so good to hear you say that and to see the boys really enjoy the wins and they work so hard for it like no no player ever goes out there to make mistakes or to, to perform under their potential um it's a, a huge skill as we all know for for a lot of things to go right on the day so to enjoy the highs like you like you're talking about miles especially with someone like yourself who works so incredibly hard and puts the team first above everything is so it's part of why well, it's, it's such a huge part of why you play the game and your careers are short and life is short and actually when you speak to players at the end of their career one of the main things they'll say is i just wish i'd enjoyed it more that they're so busy trying to be better that pursuit of excellence is obviously part of what makes them brilliant but it can also come 
come at such a cost. And I'm so passionate that it doesn't have to be that way, that we can work towards a healthier way of winning. It takes longer to get there, but it, it's more sustainable when you do. At the same time, exactly as you're saying, like feelings, we can't, we can't learn all the time from our feelings because feelings come and go and feelings are not facts. So just because we won doesn't mean that we did stuff right or that we achieved our potential. And just because we lost doesn't mean that everything was wrong. So to get beyond the feelings, whilst enjoy them first and then get beyond them to look at the facts, look at the video, come together, honestly, talk as coaches, as, as players about what we want to learn from that and how that match is going to make us bigger, better for the next one. That's that's how we build sustainable winning. Um, and of course, we're, you know, we're still on that journey. So I think for me, it's, it's both, isn't it? Let's love love the highs, just cherish them because they they come and go. The downs, they come and go too. Let's not go too low because when we get too emotional, we become a little bit stupid, to be frank. We literally lose intelligence when we get so emotionally hijacked. So we have to keep things level after after that and then learn the right things together. And that's a, that's an ongoing quest that everyone plays a part in. Well, I think we're, we're all for more joy. And more, we're all for winning and joy, definitely. <laughs> and um, Hats, if I um, just come back to you and... Uh, we talked a little bit about attack and I know you'll always talk about, um, you know, it's not attack, defence, everything obviously is connected, but just trying to break this down a little bit. You, I think at the last um, event, you did talk about defence and, and you talked pretty honestly about it and said it wasn't um, where you wanted it to be. And there's been a clear shift, a clear step change, um, you know, since then. And I was just interested, you know, to what extent was that, around a focus on mindset is it you know physicality line speed is it you know tactics it's men on feet what what were the changes that you you made there in terms of our uh, defense um yeah so sort of felt like we probably up until the week extra weekend um we we've talked uh, a lot about the intent um so missing some of the players that we're missing that that's always going to be an issue because we you know you miss a lot of power so people who win game line like Benno and Charlie and Will Stewart and people like that. Um, but what we've talked a lot about is is the line speed and our pressure from the inside. So making sure that, like Hoop said, you know, we there has to be a real intent, a real desire to to get back on our feet um, and to keep working. You know, working for your mates to make sure that we're defending hard and that it's not just defending for defence sake. We are trying to defend to get transition moments, so to create opportunities for attack. So. Like I said, we've, we've tried to tie a lot into to the attack side of things. So how important it is that we defend well to attack well. We've got to tie everything in. It's never just defense in isolation. It's where we play the game, where we kick the ball, um, you know, where we receive the ball, where we give them the ball to, to create more opportunities. So th there's so much more to it than, than just the defense side of it. Um, and I feel that as a group that we're slowly starting to understand um, how we want to play the game and, and the opportunities that, that that will give us. Just quickly now, before we um, invite Jojo onto the stage and we get into some of the questions from um, uh, from members, um, normally actually I'd, so I'm going to ask a short-term question about the weekend ahead and then a longer-term and sort of medium-term question about rest of season. And normally I'll go to a coach, but Miles... Um, We'll, we'll see what you've been uh, what you've been picking up from the first half of the week's training, um, Miles. Um, we're safe on this call. There's no one from Falcons uh, on the call, so you can talk about the game ahead. Um, what's what's the plan for Saturday, and how are we going to go about getting the win up at Kingston Park? 
Yeah, so we've spoken and spoken in the week and about our opportunities, uh, how to exploit them there. Um, you know, Hats has touched on it. People, people lose up there by expecting to go up there and just pick up an easy win. And it's not like that. You know, they're a good side. We found out at the start of the season. Um, so, you, you know, you have to go up there 100% committed in, in what you're going to do. Um, we've looked at, at how they kick the ball. So they kick, tend to kick the ball long um, and they're, they're chase line's pretty fractured. So that's going to give people like Tom de Glanville, uh, Roy McConaughey, Wilmore uh, chances, chances to break their line. Um, their forwards, you know, they don't, they don't move very well. They're, they're big men, but they don't move very well. So when we tend to watch them in attack, they'll be pretty slow to set. So that gives us a lot of time to get set before them uh, and then go bang them off the line and bang them back again, just like the, the exit clip that we saw from, from Stu. Um, and then in terms of attack, uh, pretty similar. Obviously, they're like I said, they're big men. So how we move the ball, you know, when we have that rhino, so the free pod off, off nine, off an edge breakdown, you know, we want to be tipping in there, passing to the next man and punching through and, you know, keep on, keep on moving the point of attack. Um, and I think that's, that's how we're going to go and pick up a win there. Definitely been listening. Definitely been involved. Um, and Stu, just in terms of the season ahead, obviously we know the draw now. We've got... Um, we got a trip over to Zebra for the uh, last 16 game. And then potentially, if that goes well, a quarterfinal at the rack. Um, both of those, obviously, um, you know, games that we'd love to have people travelling to and, and crowds at. But that's the European draw. Then in terms of the Premiership, we, uh, we're, we're, we're seven points off fifth, 12 points off fourth. It's pretty congested. Can you just talk about, we've, we've also obviously got internationals coming back from... Uh, the Six Nations window um, as we get to the end of March. Can you just talk through um, what targets, what we're aiming for, what we're focused on, European competition and also the Premiership? Yeah, of course. Um, I think it's um, it's a question I want to answer without giving a boring answer. Um, but, but, but from a playing group perspective, and this is where the, I think we're going to talk a little bit about the senior players later, but, but those guys have been outstanding around... Um, you know how we we get the best out of the players and how we um, how we set our kind of goals, if you like. So um, with the playing group, we very much talk about the next game, the next opportunity, because um, what the guys are doing, particularly at the moment with with the COVID restrictions and the lack of you guys being there, the supporters, it's intense. Like what they do every day is intense. So the focus is on what we're going to do this weekend, how we're going to play well to beat the opposition. Um, and they're great at it. The boys are really good. Now, as staff, we obviously look up, we look ahead. Um, and the next five weeks is a massively, massively exciting period for us. Uh, we've got the three premiership games um, and then we've got Europe, um, which was straight into knockout rugby, which in itself is exciting. It's competition again abroad in Italy, which is exciting. Um, and it's a chance for us to be all back together. So two more weeks of Six Nations. We get all of our guys back. Training gets more competitive again. Um, and then we have an opportunity to to kind of put our best team on the field. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean the lads coming back from international duty, but it means we get to compete in training um, and the very best will get picked to play for the club. So it's for me, that's a, a hugely exciting time. The focus is is narrowed because um, these guys are, you know, the internationals we have have a, a dual focus. 
up until this point. You know, they want to be playing, they want to be focusing on England and Bath. They're, they're fantastic Bath men. To a man, they text me or call me after the games and talk about it. And, um, you know, we've got some guys doing some great stuff. Anthony winning his 50th cap this weekend, etc., etc. But um, there's a there's a, a laser-like focus when those guys get back because it's about making sure we finish the season incredibly strongly. Um, we've got eight premiership games when they're all back, so when training's at its most competitive. And obviously Europe as a, as a competition. So, yeah, it's exciting. It, it feels... Um, it feels like we're kind of to get to get people back is is um, that, that yeah there is a there's a there's more of a stability to what we're doing where we've been so far has been massively disrupted through COVID and, and what have you but there's a stability to to where we are now touch wood and getting those guys back is I guess the icing on the cake for that and having the competitive environment that we crave to to have the best eighty minutes on the weekend. Brilliant and um, right so. What we're going to do is we're going to turn to some of the questions from uh, from the floor from members. So I think, and there she is, Jojo. Um, good to have you back. Hello. Um, I'll hand over to you if you could fire away with questions from the floor. Yeah, great. We've had um, some really good questions. So thank you, everyone who's um, submitted them. Obviously, we won't sadly be able to get through all of them because I think we've already had over 50. Um, but um, first question um, that we've had is about our game um, and we've had lots of questions about the extra match um, lots of compliments about the first half um, Jeremy Noble Tom Chippendale Colin Simmons Richard Lansdale Phil Wright and Martin Abrahams name just a few um, are interested to understand what we have learnt from last weekend's match against Exeter um, question Pat. what we've learned we've learned um we need a standard game for 80 minutes. Um, you know, I think it was 24-16 with six minutes to go. Um, so, again, uh, where we play the game, um, even though the sides have purple patches, good sides like extra, you know, there's opportunities to win the game. Even at 24-16, we had, we had the opportunity to turn a 14-man front line, put the ball in behind him, which we'd had great success with. Um, so we learn to, to make sure we, we stick to what we talk about in the week. Um, and when those opportunities arise, like you say, how clinical we need to be. We've learned as a team that we can create some really good opportunity, attacking opportunities with the way that we're trying to play. So when we've talked about going from edge to edge, um, what we learned, the big thing for me that we learned was our ability to capitalize. So we talked about the seven line breaks. That's fantastic. We've got to make sure that we're turning those line breaks into points, either penalties um, or hopefully tries. You know, so like I said, one of the, the, the big learnings was was making sure that we capitalise on, on the opportunities that we create. Brilliant. And now a question from Kelvin Toms. Um, what are the long-term plans for building the team slash club for sustained success? Um, yeah, I think... Um, the, the, I mean, the, the, the plans remain in place, as have been for a while, around developing our um, homegrown squad to, to 50%. Um, guys like Miles, more of those guys coming through, more of the young guys coming through. And if you imagine the squad from a, um, an age point of view, not from a, you know, from, not from, a, from a how much they play, but from an age point of view, the, the ideal scenario is that the, 
you, you get a, the, the bottom age group, so the 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds push massively from a behaviors perspective from the bottom. So they push how we do things, they drive the culture. And then the older guys who are more experienced and have more game time because of how old they are and, and how long they've been in the game, those guys set it as well at the top. So they're constantly pushing. So the top is going upwards, but the guys, the younger guys at the bottom are pushing them up harder. And then over a number of years and sometimes quicker in like in Miles and Josh and those guys' cases, the guys who are the young guys at the bottom become the guys at the top who are international players and going on and, and developing the game. So that is absolutely our model. Um, will it be supplemented by players from abroad, by world-class players who we have an opportunity to supplement our team 100%. We'll always be looking of how we can develop and grow the very best team for tomorrow, but also for one, two, five, ten years down the line. And um, that's that's the model that, that we believe in. It's the model that we invest in, both financially and emotionally and time. Um, so that's, that's very much on course and very much on plan. There's obviously been a a small deviation around game time for some of our younger players this year because of COVID. Um, but, you know, that, that's something we have to deal with. It's something that we're robust enough to deal with. And um, the next few iterations of academy players coming through will again push on the environment along with the new signings and the, and the people recontracted that will push the environment on for the back end of this year and into next year. And... Um, what I'd add to that, Stu, as well is so. I mean, obviously, like everyone's um, like massively excited um, and wants to continue to see the team do well and build towards the success that we all want to see. And you know, days out Twickenham and bus tours, um, you know, around the city of Bath. What I'd also say, and forget me, I've forgotten the name of the person who asked the question, but the you know, there's a lot of work we've been. Um, doing and an, an discussion within the club about the role that we want to play within the city. And as we come uh, through to these events later, um, uh, next month in April and in May, um, you know, we'll, we'll share more about that in terms of stadium, in terms of the role that we want to play within the community, in terms of girls and women's rugby. And, you know, there's some, you know, some really exciting plans that we formulated around really growing and developing the club that we want to be. So, um, obviously, Stuart focused around the team. There's much more going on uh, at the club and much more of a role that we want to play. And we'll come back and talk about that um, in the next month or two. Great. Thank you. I think that answered quite a few of the other questions. So that was a great, great answer. Thank you. Um, a lot of people have also been asking and recognising the number of red cards that have been um, um, issued. And uh, Peter Rotherham, Bruce Hollandine and Paul Taylor are all interested to understand how um, the players' approach on the pitch is changing um, to ensure that we keep 15 players out there, given the way the head contact is being refereed and the number of red cards. Um, it was a question for um, perhaps, but I actually wanted to also um, ask Miles that question, just because obviously I know that's an area that you are one of the specialists at. Yeah, you know, I think there's, you know, there's been a lot. Um, Olive Thorley's won the other day for Gloucester was, you know, pretty crazy. Um, 
and there's been a lot of bans off the back of them. I think when one happens, you know, more start creeping in. So you see one on the Friday night game, and then the weekend you see you see more and more. I don't know if that's referees watching the watching the games before and feeling more inclined to give them. Um, but for us, it's just you know, firstly, it's the safety of yourself. You know, if you're tackling up high, you're more likely to you know smash your heads and, and come off with a concussion. Um, so low and chop is always the, the first up focus. Um, and I think that that leads into kind of you know supporting your peers and on on the pitch. You know, if you get a red card, you you know you cost the team. They they got what ten times harder when there's fourteen players on the pitch. Um, so for us, it's you know just keeping that in mind the whole time. You know, discipline's a, a massive area. It lets people into the team. You know, I have one myself uh, on the week again uh, against Exeter, where you know I just slipped up and my my, my arms reached over his his neck and the. The ref's given a penalty, which then gets, sends them down the pitch and, and gets a, a chance for them to launch their attack. Um, so, yeah, it's just keeping mindful of that. You know, the training you do in the week is, you know, how, how do you get that, that body height down um, to, to kind of chop and, you know, you don't want to be up there tackling their neck. Um, okay. Um, and now a few questions around the squad. Um, so... Jamie Pearson has asked, is it difficult to integrate the international players back into the team when you have had a team that's been pretty successful over the last month? Um, that's from Tom and Ted and Jamie Pearson. I think it, it's it's important to consciously do it. So what you can't do is just is expect the guys just to come back from England, Wales or Scotland as we've got now and, and fit seamlessly into Bath. Um, it's also really important to reward the guys who are at Bath training really hard um, and I think that's something that we've seen you know we've seen that that we um, we're willing to do it doesn't if you come back from England or Wales or Scotland doesn't necessarily mean you definitely get picked um, if we believe that's the right thing for the team then yeah we'll do that but but it doesn't automatically mean that one thing that one thing that we've learned is that um, going away with international rugby like it's full-on um, international uh, particularly with England just because of the way the way the environment is it's full-on if you imagine these guys come back and they're completely full of England like everything is England all of their calls all of their you know the culture the way they do things is all England so the first thing we have to do is is give them an opportunity to almost unload a bit of that international um, kind of baggage that they've got so all of the you know what are the things that you can get rid of now before you come back into Bath what are the things that we can then take from you? What can we learn from you as an international player? And then what do we really want you to have that's Bath? So you kind of unpack most of the England stuff, pack in some Bath stuff, and then the last little bit is filled up by mixing together a bit of Bath and England or Bath and Wales or or Bath and Scotland. And ultimately, when they get out there for the uh, for the game, then they should be you know completely in it and ready ready to compete for Bath. So. Um, the answer is it can be difficult and it's 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 very easy to get it wrong and if generally you get it wrong if you just expect them because they're good players just to rock up and put their boots on and play um there needs to be conversations and hats and the coaches and myself and also the other players that the contact they have with our international players while they're away is at the moment probably more than it's ever been like the lads talk all the time they get involved in the Zooms that are going on. It's one of the things that's been a lot easier because of um, lockdown and COVID is that actually we've, we've become much more used to communicating like this. So before when they went away with England, they wouldn't see each other for six weeks, but now they do, they Zoom and they, they play FIFA and all that sort of stuff with each other still. So um, 
yeah, there's a there's a connection even when they're away. And our aim is to when they come back in a Bath jersey, they're they're buzzing and excited to play for Bath. Great, thank you. Um, over to you, Tuckwin. Cheers, Jojo. Um, right, so we're actually um, going to uh, we will come on in a few minutes to culture training and environment. Before we get into the second part of our main discussion. Um, we're going to talk championship and relegation promotion for a couple of minutes and just get a bit of audience participation here. We're interested in your views. So um, do something a little bit different here. But before we do, a big result of the weekend. Saracen's travelling down to Cornwall, um, I believe in a private jet, uh, and losing 25-17 uh, to Cornish Pirates. Hats. Um, I'll just come to you if I may. I know Saris were missing... Uh, some of their internationals, but I think they had seven internationals in that side with a lot of test caps between them. Uh, questions from me. Firstly, it's a big result, isn't it? And secondly, is it possible that Saracens won't win the championship? And that was a huge result, wasn't it? I think you've seen that the sides that go down to that league, everyone paints a big bullseye on them. So that becomes the most important, particularly the home game, becomes the most important game of the season. So, you know, everything will have gone into... Um, into that, obviously, to, to try and turn them over. Um, I think that when they get all their players back, they'll have too much. You know, you, you add Farrell, Latoji, Daly, George, um, Maitland, etc. I, I just think they'll have too much. But I think what will be really interesting is to see, um, you know, they, they've obviously lost uh, quite a few of their star players like Skelton, Cruz, um, guys like that, is just to see how they manage through this period because um, it is it is going to be tough because, like I said, everyone's going to paint a big bullseye on them. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they get on. We, we know some of the guys there and um, we know some of the challenges they face. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. So we'll see. I think it's Jersey uh, uh, at Saris, isn't it, this weekend? And the reason I ask about Saris and the championship is I'm sure as um, – uh, you know, our supporters know there was the recent announcement about the uh, moratorium on relegation for the current 2021 season. And just to be clear about what has and what hasn't been agreed. So at the moment, it is no relegation for the 2021 season only at this stage. And that's due to the disruption from COVID, the impact on match results, uh, the significant behind the scenes disruption and so on. And this has been agreed by the RFU across all leagues. So there's no relegation from the championship, international one, etc. And what will happen, therefore, is if the winner of uh, the 2021 championship um, meets the criteria to be in the premiership, then for 21-22, the premiership will be a 13-team um, league and the championship will be an 11-team league. And what's going to happen over the next few weeks, um, a couple of months actually as we head through the rest of the season is that the RFU, Premiership Rugby, uh, the Championship and the Players Union are going to talk about not just 21-22 but also subsequent uh, seasons. There is the potential that um, relegation, uh, no relegation um, could be extended beyond uh, beyond uh, 2021. So there's obviously it's a massive talking point i'm sure we're sure you've got views and um it's going to be interesting i think this one is undoubtedly going to be um an ongoing discussion uh among the leagues and the rfu and a, and a debate and obviously we'll keep you informed about that so interesting to get your views we'll come on and talk about culture our environment training and preparation 
and uh, Katie. Um, I'm going to start with you, if I may. And I think everyone has an understanding of what they mean when they say culture. Um, but can you paint a picture for us of what a high performance culture is? What are the component parts and how do you go about nurturing that? How do you go about building that? Yeah, I can. But first, I've got to stop chuckling at Robert's question. <laughs> can we pick the team fire a boat this way? Brilliant. I love it. In fact, Robert, I jotted your name down because you have you asked a, another great question earlier on. Um, sorry, Tarquin. Yes. Um, it's cult, I mean, cult, actually, just to share very briefly, when I first started practicing as a sports psychologist, I was really focused on mental skills. You're just trying to help athletes and players develop the kind of confidence and resilience and composure, the ability to make good decisions under pressure. And I thought that was like the most important thing I could do. So 10 years into my career, I'm, I'm realizing that that's just the icing on the cake. And if you actually invest in the culture and, and you create an environment where people can thrive, um, then then you can really go places. And it takes a lot. It's a lot harder to do. It takes longer. You've got to unlearn a lot of stuff um, as well as then building what you need and what you want. But mental skills training alone won't get us to where we need to get to. So we have a collective passion for it. And that's one of the reasons why I accepted the role with Bath, because I knew that Stu Hooper's vision in particular was around building that kind of winning culture um when like how you define it for me it's like a combination of managing tensions like you're managing the tensions of being a really supportive place where we care deeply about each other with a really challenging place where we're going to get the best out of each other and be very direct and candid about what needs to be better or what wasn't good enough so you're getting that balance you're kind of getting a balance between a real focus on well-being and on people being happy and healthy but also on demanding results um you're trying to get a balance between the processes and the things we need to stick to and adhere to but also taking risks putting the team first but also celebrating uniqueness so I mean I could go on I promise I won't I know we've not got all night to talk about it but culture for me is it's an absolutely fascinating piece and it's all about what we believe in and how we behave I really believe that there it, it's a skill so once you define what you want your culture to look like you then work with players coaches staff to, to develop the skills to live it um so yeah culture is a oh it's where the magic is um and i think we're, we're i'm so proud of the work that we're doing and the way the coaches in particular and hats has, has done a phenomenal job around bringing the values to life um when i came back off maternity leave that the fear would be that they were kind of dead on the ground and they they're, they're not and that's down to the likes of Stu, um hats and miles who i know we'll come to that a little bit later yeah no um i, I mean i would imagine it's easier for people to visualize um, the coaches training the players, whether that be in the gym or on the grass. You know, the idea of um, working on performance psychology and culture is, is quite hard to visualize. And um, well, I was going to ask you maybe to provide an example from another environment, um, which which is an option for you. You can do that or, yeah. or, or you can talk actually about some of the work you've done in Bath, but I don't know whether there's a really good example from another environment where you've, you've, you've sort of seen that through on the journey from start to finish that might bring this to life for people. Yeah, it's it's always I really want to answer it fully with like full honesty. But obviously, as you would expect and, and need to see from me, um, there's confidentiality that I, that I need to work around. And, and that's the bedrock of all of my work is the trust that I have with the people I'm privileged to work alongside. But there are some things I can talk about because some athletes and coaches have talked openly in the press about it. I mean, 
the work could be so varied from like there was a couple of canoe slalom athletes that I worked with back in 2011 and the biggest piece of work we did was around mapping the white water course and all the possible gates that could be put in place and all the decisions they would need to make and working out what the best sort of risk versus reward points were for all of those decisions and there's a huge amount of psychology in there as well as the communication with their coach um those guys went on to win gold in London and it was a big part of the confidence that they sat on the start line knowing that they'd done every possible bit of prep to give themselves the best chance um with the rugby sevens guys coming into rio we did a massive piece of work around um their optimum arousal levels so you know some of the lads typically in the changing room are, are very pumped up and there's lots of like <laughs> great energy but then they're they're almost overdoing it because they're so passionate they come out onto the pitch and then you know then they're, they're making poor decisions because they're actually over aroused so we did a really important piece of work around actually for me what what is the right level building a spectrum of it we literally stood the guys on on that spectrum and talked about the behaviors that we would like to see that they think you know what is it that's actually going to help them execute under pressure um and some of the guys that were the biggest sort of chest chest thumpers were actually becoming much calmer and more clinical in the dress in the changing room so that as they come out through the tunnel they've got that calmness about the decisions that they then make um once they're on the pitch so that that piece of work really fascinated me I think maybe one and the one and I know hats and hoops and I speak a lot about this because we're 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 working on something special with with the Bath guys, um, with GB with the men's hockey. Um, there was a real need to connect the team and create deeper bonds so that that they're going to work harder for each other, that they're going to earn their mate their spot on the podium. And we did a process that we called the Y Discovery, which is where each individual within the squad would go through a kind of couple of month process where they basically thought, thought about the experiences they've had in life, who shaped them, what's important to them, what are they trying to communicate through their hockey? Like it's not, it's not enough to want to win. That is not enough. Everybody wants to win. You've got to know why you want to win. What does that win represent? And that takes a bit of unpacking. And for some of the guys, like these are young 19, 20-year-olds, like how comfortable are they to be honest and open? That's been an, an amazing journey. So every single member of that squad and every single member of our staff team has stood up in front of the whole squad and shared their journey of who they are, what they want to dedicate their hockey to. Um, and it, it's it's sort of the heartbeat of the programme. It's five years in the making now. So we're... Um, we're, we're experimenting with a different version of it, something even better with bars. So hats and hoops and I are literally in the in the process of it. So yeah, um, those are a few a few examples. Um, yeah. Hope no, they make sense, brilliant. and I'm not I'm not waffling from a psych perspective too much. No, not at all. It really helps bring it to life. And hats, if I could just turn to you for a minute. I know we've had these conversations, and you you know you've talked about you know we like finding our why, and like obviously you worked at England under Eddie. Um, in the best resource union in the world. And I know that, you know, you we, we talked about it um, before you came back to Bath. You were exposed to all sorts of expertise from all sorts of sports from around the world. With with all of that experience, what, what can you say about what Katie uh, brings and how important that is to you in terms of knitting the squad together and building our game? It's massively important. You know, we, um, I think... You know, we see the players every day, so it, it's it's hugely beneficial having somebody like Katie, who um, is is still a huge and influential part of our squad, but sits maybe just a fraction outside of it. Um, and it's it's important from a, a you know constructive, I'd say, constructive criticism point of view, in that she can have conversations with my health, with myself and Stu. Um, you know, in terms of of what she's seeing, what improvements we can make. 
So, you know, the experience that she's got in, in, in the sports that we talked about, and I think sports that are culturally strong. So men's hockey is, um, is a culturally strong sport. You know, you see the work that people like Danny Carey and, and other guys have done in, in, in the field. Um, you know, they're, they're really strong. So I think that's huge. It's, it's, it's an area that hasn't been addressed on um, anywhere near to the level it has been. Um, it was interesting with, with England, you know, they didn't talk a lot about, in fact, they didn't mention a word at all, um, culture. But what they did was they, you know, we had we had values that we lived every day. And I think that's where, where Bath is taking a huge step forward. It's not important to have values on a wall anymore where people just see it. Um, and then it just, you know, you hope that it just through osmosis, it happens. You know, what we're demanding from the players now and, and where Katie's had such a huge role is she demands from myself, the coaches, from Stuart, that we live the values, that the players, the, the values only become important when they see us living in. You know, so it's, it's not something that you can just ask them to do. We've got to demand it from each other first before we demand it from the players. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about the values in a, in a minute, and in a minute I'll come to you, Miles, because I know you've been involved in that project from, from the start. I was just interested, Katie, you, you worked with us back in 2018-19, uh, before taking a period of maternity leave, and you're, you're obviously back in the environment now, uh, environment now subject, of course, to COVID rules. Um, and you'll be speaking with many of the same players, you know, from 2018, 19 to now. And obviously there's confidentiality, confidentiality, as you said, but I was just interested in terms of, you know, they've been developing over this period. And I was just interested what observations you had regarding the environment, the players, uh, leadership at the club and how, um you know how that has or hasn't evolved and changed um yeah. you know, now versus them yeah nice what what hasn't changed is the passion that i see um sometimes too much that's something we talk about passion overplayed um cannot not drive performance in the way that we aspire to and need to but the passion is there and like that you know we talk about the bath man and what what the values there and and um just wanting to do everything they can for the team, both players and staff, coaches. Um, I mean, it's it's timely, like having Miles on this call, like Miles, I don't want to remotely embarrass you. Well, actually, I, do, I don't really mind if I do. Um, you know, the growth in you, my friend, like from from a young guy who was sort of finding his feet and, you know, obviously you were, you were just hungry to learn and now you're becoming a leader and you're, you're very much a future leader of the club as well. Um, and so just seeing that kind of growth, there's a, there's a really simple equation psychologists often use, which is performance equals potential minus interference so what you actually see is a result of everything that they're capable of but also what's the interference that's taking away from that and I think a lot of interference has been removed by getting the right people on the on the bus so to speak terrible cliche apologies for that um you know with Hatch joining us and then and then just seeing the likes of Miles like really really blossom like Rory when I worked with Rory at Sevens yeah he was quite shy kind of <laughs> goofy guy like amazing amazing member of the team and now he's he is a leader at Bath and that's a lot down to the way Stu's coached him and the way the environment has helped to bring those qualities out in him so yeah it's, it's absolutely brilliant to see um just the effort remains really high but there's there's growth in ways that that make me re really inspired actually and and I know there's a lot more to come and I'll um no it's brilliant I'll, I'll come I'll turn to you now Miles and I will uh I'll say first actually I had the pleasure of having a bit of time with your dad um who's great company unbelievably passionate about the club and um uh he would say that he is and I, I actually believe him because he says it with such conviction he has a massive part to play in terms of uh who you are and, and the way that you've developed but um 
but we'll talk a bit about values if we may and one of katie's first and ongoing projects so this goes back to when katie was here in uh 2018-19 has been around developing a shared set of values among the players and and as hat said you know got to be that's got to be lived by the staff and the coaches more widely and i know it's a project you've been involved in throughout and i wondered if you could talk a little bit about the project what was involved in practical terms and what the values mean to the players and how and how you use them in the environment um day to day in terms of driving standards and so forth mm. yeah so the the process was you know it's amazing you know having katie's come in and uh, and do it with us so you know every year people kind of come into different rugby clubs and they sit down and say well what do we want our values to be and there's nothing really behind it there's nothing that makes it you know real and you know specific to the team so often a, a coach will maybe give them the values or the the captain comes up with the values, but this was different. So, uh, yeah, there was a big group of us. I think there was 11 or so in the group. Um, we first sat down with, with Katie and the lady came in from, from GB Hockey. I can't actually remember her name now. It's okay. Um, Kate Richardson-Walsh. That's, that's the one. Yeah, she was the captain. <laughs> um, and she sat down with us and talked to about similar things, you know, sharing their whys and, and the success that, that led them. Um, so then we kind of, we split off. Uh, we, we had individual groups that we, we'd sit down with. So people close to us. So, you know, in the time I was, I was in the academy. So I sat down with the academy boys as I was, you know, close with them and probably could get more out of them. And we sat down and asked some questions such as, you know, if you were going to go to Mars, I think it was to take three people with you to start a new rugby team, who would you take? So all these names kept on flooding in, flooding in. And then we got back together as a group and, looked at the names and you know put up all the names on the board i remember actually literally katie writing out every single name tallying tallying the ones next to it so we got those names and then whittled them down to like you know five people that came up the most and then we looked at the qualities that those people had you know why had people chosen this certain person to come and start a new team um so we looked at the qualities and then we kind of came up with things you know almost loads of different values which you could you know hold um and then we went back out to the to the wider group and you know random kind of past them you know say what do you think of this um and then we got feedback and then we came back and you know whittled it down more and then we came up with our with our you know main values which we live to today so they are relentlessly competitive make the unseen seen uh, and transparency so you know, firstly, uh, relentlessly competitive, you know, it's in everything you do, you know, not just on the pitch. So, you know, an example of on the pitch would be our kick sprint, you know, how do we get after the ball? Um, how do we keep on applying pressure in every single moment? How do we win that moment? And then off the pitch, you know, our recovery, our sleep, our nutrition, you know, that's that's a part of it. That's how you're relentlessly competitive. You have to be better than the other team because every team is trying to, trying to be the best. But how can you be the best in every single area? Um, and then make the unseen scene ties in with that slightly. So the things that we do off the pitch, um, you know, through, throughout the week, how do you, if there was a 24 hour camera on you, what would you do? Um, so at home, you know, your food, your sleep, just your lifestyle in general, does that link in with what we're going to see on the weekend from you? Uh, and then another side to that was, you know, tiny little minute details in, in a match. So uh, when, when, when a rhino, if you're running that, that three line, and you turn the turn the defense in and then we can go out the back you know to to the you know the novice or the the, the fan that doesn't watch rugby much you know it may look amazing when anthony scores a try in the corner but that's actually come from the free line turning the defense in 
so we really wanted to celebrate that um, and it's something we, which we wanted to hold in high regard as a team and then transparency the last one you know we wanted to be honest with each other uh, we wanted to have tough conversations you know if someone hadn't done something right on the weekend we wanted to make sure that we told them make sure that it came apparent you know if Stu doesn't pick someone on the weekend he's going to tell them why and be honest with them as, as to why he hasn't picked them and I think that's really important in a in a in an environment you know that's what develops trust that's that's the the main thing that develops trust is you know can this person be completely honest with me completely transparent with me and that's going to become make me become better and also build trust between us two uh, as a as a you know friendship um and i think this is you know something which having these values is something which you can kind of go home after the end of the day you know, at training and kind of look at each one of them and say, have I, you know, have I lived to this value? Have I lived to this one? Have I lived to this one? I think if you do all three of them, you know, you're doing something right and you're going to see improvement on yourself. You're going to see improvement with, with the team. Um, and then the flip side of that in the, in the environment, you know, are you going to challenge people on living these, living these values? So if someone's not being competitive at all, you know, just, you know, dawdling through it and going through the motions, be transparent with them and, you know, say, look, this, these are our values, you know, why you're not, uh, you know, living to them. Brilliant. No, thank you, Miles. Um, I think that's, um, yeah, that trust and, and transparency, I think, is, is, is really important and fundamental. Um, quick question, actually, for, I'll probably go to a couple of people on the uh, panel just because of time. There's but like everyone talks about, well, actually, everyone talks about leadership in business and they talk about leadership in sport. And, and obviously, leadership plays a, you know, a critical role, but it can mean so many things. It can be you know, the ability to make the right decision in the heat of the moment at a critical point in time. It can be the role modeling, um, the setting of standards within the environment. Katie, I'm going to come to you first. Spotlight falls on you. Could you just, I'd be really interested in you succinctly what is <laughs> so <laughs> i'm going to ask everyone to say it succinctly but <laughs> what is leadership am i off mute yeah, yeah i yeah. i am um, to me a leader is anyone that inspires inspires you to do more be more believe more like miles is a leader to me he inspires me to work harder for the club um with the with the leadership guys at the club we talk about um of course what is their vision like what is their authentic type of leadership like it, it's 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 no good asking like a rory for example to be like really really aggressive that's not within his nature his authentic style is is very very calm it's very empathic you know he volunteers for the mental health charity shout like so his version of leadership is very very different to dunny's like you know dunny's version of leadership like epic like just heart on his sleeve and so you're trying to then help make sure that, that that emotion is channeled in really positive ways and decision making is strong behind it so yeah for me it's just that balance of vision vision support challenge um and, a, and an ability to put others before yourself to put the team before yourself um is that oh, succinct that's beautifully succinct yes and um <laughs> Pat, maybe if i come to you what's because we have a player leadership group and obviously you, you what what um you know, what does leadership what, what what does leadership mean to you um I, I think leadership for me is influence you know influence with with a team at the center of everything that you do um you know if you you know the way you go the way you show the way 
So knowing the way is the clarity, going the way is, is the confidence and the belief in it, and show the way is how you live it. You know, I like what Katie said there about it in, in, inspires. So yeah, for me, it's leadership's positive influence. Know the way, go the way, show the way. And then, um, you know, everyone takes confidence from that. You inspire, you inspire the people around you to be better every day. Nice. And um, I'm very conscious of time. I want to make sure we do leave. There's um, one or two good questions popping up on the side. So we will leave uh, a few minutes at the end. Um, and uh, we'll come back with a couple of questions in a minute. But Stuart, um, I'm just going to uh, brief interlude, if I may. Um, can you, uh, before we talk about uh, sort of final questions, can you just provide an update in terms of any latest recruitment news, but also from an injury perspective? We talked about it last time. You know, players coming back. I've, you know, seen Will Spencer at training and so on. If you could just provide uh, any updates for everyone who's watching. Yeah, of course. Um, some of you probably know. I heard today that we've been doing some training at Odd Down recently up at the um, up at the uh, 4G surface at Odd Down. I, I heard today that um, someone's been coming up uh, to watch training, which obviously they're allowed to do. But then. Um, making some assumptions on who was in the yellow bibs or who was going to be in the team on the weekend. So um, somebody's got some cunning plans to find out who we're playing. Um, but, uh, yes, there's a few boys um, on the way back. Will Spencer is very close. So what, what we tend to do is um, always – I never want to say exactly what week someone's coming back to fitness in the press because I don't want to give any of our um, opposition – one inch of advantage so quite often what we'll do is say people are back in training and when someone's back in training means they're doing everything in training and if they've been out for a reasonable amount of time they're probably going to be two weeks in full training before they can be available for selection um so um big spenny is is back in full training as of tomorrow so he's a, he's a, he's a couple of weeks away from being picked again um and very excited to be back out there um a few other boys kind of the the long term as boise's still out long term so boise is very unlikely to be seen again this year um so that, that that's you know there's nobody else really who's kind of coming back now tarquin there's um spenny's the next one then obviously the biggest thing after that is is international uh cam is cam is a few weeks away yet um we may well see him post six nations when the scotland games are over we'll make sure he's fit Good. Um, <laughs> laughter from the hat. So, um, um, I mean, last sort of question or two, and then I think, um, well, actually, last question, I think, and then let's throw it open to the floor because there's some good questions uh, building up there. And hats, I'll come to you if I may, and just, um, just interested in talking a little bit about the player leadership group and the role that they play in what we're building, and. Can you just talk a bit about the role that they play in the environment every day, um, like how someone gets into the group, um, and how you, Stuart and 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 Katie as well, work with them in terms of specifics around games and and, and the more general day to day environment. Yeah, so we actually, uh, Yulzi sat down with with Hoops myself, and he's you know he was a, a driving force. Um, as to what that group should look like, because you know sometimes that can become a popularity contest where you vote for blokes you want in, or the coaches think that they know best and they just go right. It needs to be these five blokes, and they and they miss the boat a little bit. 
Um, so we got player input, you know, and, and I think there's some guidelines as to, you know, these people need to have some sort of influence on the squad. Katie's already mentioned it earlier, you know. Danny's influence is he's a physical totem for us. You know, he's like an emotional and physical totem for this club. Um, you know, Reese is something different. So we the, the, the diversity of the group is huge. So it was put together with diversity in mind. Um, you know, younger players, but again, all people that can can influence the club. So we look, we almost have two or three different meetings a week with him. So a meeting will be about the preview for the week. So on a Monday, this is what the week's going to look like. This is the plan for the week. This is what training is going to look like because the feedback's massively important. Um, this is the game plan for Newcastle. This is how we think we're going to beat them. And then the players feed back into that. And then there's almost a secondary meeting, which is, is probably one of the most important meetings for the week. And that's how the group continues to grow, how this, um, you know, how Katie and Joe continue to improve this group as, as, a, as a group of people, as human beings and as leaders in the club. So it's almost a rugby element to it and then a leadership element to it. So like I said earlier, how they, how they start to display the values, how they start to demand more from others. Um, and that's, that's going to be a lengthy process. You know, Katie's doing a brilliant job, as is Joe. Um, in terms of, of developing that group and growing that group. It's sort of a one senior group. And then what we've got is we've got two or three guys um, who sit, I don't want to say just below it, but they're, they're almost like the next leadership group. So it's not going to be a case of all of a sudden, you know, three or four guys leave and now you're looking around and going, right, sure, but how do we replace this lot now? You know, so we, we think we've been pretty proactive in that and making sure that that gets addressed. And, and, you know, these are young players that can be added or senior players that can be added into the group at any point. So, yeah, it's almost got a, a split purpose of the meetings in the week talking about what we need. Yeah. No, perfect. And I'm conscious of time. And um, I think it'd be really nice to um, uh, bring things to a close with some, there's some great questions from the floor. So, Jojo, over to you. Thank you. Yeah, there have been some brilliant questions um, and um, lots of people really interested um, around the culture um, of the club. Um, one of the first questions, um, uh, well, actually, a question from Tom Council and from Martin Wiley. Um, how are the players coached to respond to action that isn't in the plan? Um, so, like the psych and the psychological reasons for if we. Um, start losing a game in the latter stages. Uh, question for Katie. So I'll pick up on the, the last thing you said, first of all. The psychological reasons, I, mean, like, we've, I think we've said it all along, there's so many different factors that contribute to it. Um, there, We spend a lot of time, particularly with the leadership group that Hats was just talking about, trying to understand what is going on inside players' heads on the pitch. Um, and particularly towards the end, I think sometimes we've been guilty of wanting the win so much that we start forcing it. And then people will come out of system because they're so desperate to get the win for the fans, for themselves, for their family, for their teammates, that they start um, trying to be the hero, basically. And that's you know very, very good intention, but not very, very good impact. Um, and it's not it's often not deliberate. It's often a bit of a subconscious kind of emotional hijack. So unpacking that through the week is really important part of the work that we do or, or the work that Joe and I might do working through the coaches as because the coaches are the guys that often have the best relationships with the players to, to really get into that um i think sometimes you know that's there was a great question that came up through here around um the sort of safety that's in the environment for, for players to really speak up and be honest so what was their confidence in the game plan going in and and do they truly believe in it do they 
truly believe this is the best way for us to win? Do they truly believe they've got the skills to deliver on that, particularly under fatigue? And so trying to break that down is a key part of our learning and, and something that, that we're, yeah, we're really focused on. Um, what was, Jojo, what was the first question about? The first, um, the first part was around how um, it could even go to um, hoops or hats as well, um, just how the players are coached to respond to action that isn't in the plan. Um, so what's happening live in the, um, in the match? Yeah, Mike, yeah. I'll, go, I'll go to perhaps hats on that one. I feel like he's had too easy a time on this tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do, so we'll create some scenario training for them. So even today, um, you know, we will we'll give them different scores or different scenarios, take players off the pitch to simulate a yellow card, um, have people go out of system, you know, that would, would deliberately tell Reese to kick long and on instead of off, um, just to test, you know, just keep testing uh, what we're doing as a group, you know, do, do we see what's going on? Then more importantly, is it raised? Is a solution found? So we, we've got a, you know, a particular section of training, which is anything from 10 to 16 minutes long, and we give them little 30-second blocks, so it's quite... Um, it's quite a tough part of training where they, you know, they'll be going balls out for as for as um, for as hard as we can make, as long as we can make it, and then they get thirty seconds for a snapshot and an answer. Um, and Hoops will listen to one group, and and myself or Gerv and and Ryan, uh, one of the other coaches will listen to the other group, and we we just see what's coming back in. You know, what the feedback, what are they seeing? Um, and something that you know Stu's talked about, which we've we've added in recently, is actually. Just getting two or three of those leaders to, to quick snapshot amongst themselves before listening to the group and then trying to add value to what we're doing or to change a plan. So, you know, we'll shift the backfield around or add extra players. We, the other week we had 16 defenders in without telling them or we'll take attackers out. Um, and we, you know, we, we just try and present loads of different scenarios that they have to find answers to. And, and uh, you know, because like I said, there's always 15 other blokes trying to, trying to muck up your best laid plans. So we, we do things like that, not all the time, but we, we think it's important to throw them in um, to keep testing them just to, to see how they're handling, you know, handling these sort of problems. Great answer. Thank you, um, Hats. Um, a question for Miles um, from Roger Driver. Um, you, Miles, you spoke about how um, you really value the team going and coming back from the away games because obviously with COVID you can't do that so much at the moment with the home games. Um, he's interested to understand how the new players are being helped to integrate into the squad. Yeah, so obviously new players, Huskies, Husky, uh, Jean Schumann, um, Tian and Jacques have all, all come in this season. Um, you know, they're great guys. They're very close to each other, obviously, all being South African. Um, but they've, they've settled in well, really well. Um, you know, obviously coming back and the, and the journey's coming back, you know, they've got involved. You know, we've had poker tournaments going going up on the way back and uh, as of recently we've kind of split the team into four different groups um, given given ourselves each group names and you know had little socials on zoom so there's been a poker tournament running uh, which is which is good fun there's going to be a, a, a virtual poker tournament just to be a clear. virtual poker tournament yeah <laughs> um, yeah which is which have been really good you know other other little things where you know people People are baking things and bringing bringing them in for the for the lads uh, in their group. So you know, I think it's it's a tough time, obviously within within COVID, to uh, to kind of you know integrate and get close as a team, especially when you haven't got that time away from the pitch to to join in uh, with each other. But I think 
you know, it's a challenge for us and we've, we've handled it pretty well and, uh, you know, looking forward to getting to the back end of it. Um, you know, it's been good. And I think, uh, you know, new ads have integrated really well. Great. Can I have one more question, Tarquin? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm conscious of time and um, like you guys, obviously, um, lots going on preparing for the week ahead. But yeah, one more question, Jojo. Great. It's for Katie from Jane Smith. And she says, how do you develop a ruthless winning mentality in a player? Hmm. I hoped you might ask me that question. I <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, like, that's, that's sort of at the heart of my passion. And, and underneath it, you won't be surprised to hear me say, like I've touched on before, it starts by understanding their why. And that's not just like, you know, someone, a player once said to me, oh, yeah, we've done our why. Yeah, we, And I was like, oh, tell me about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, we did like a two hour session. I'm like, you haven't done your why. That's not good enough. Like, so it starts by understanding that because you know, there's, a, there's a quote within psychology that man can endure any what or how if there's a clear enough why. So really to, to have that ruthless winning mindset, you've got to start with that because what these guys put themselves through, I mean, they're bonkers. <laughs> don't quote me on that but you know it's it's unbelievable the the, the effort and the, the sacrifices or you could call it choices of course but what they do for for the club for each other for the fans you know you really got to be clear on that and then I think what what's really important and what we're working on increasingly starting from the academy up is defining the kind of pressure situations that you find yourself in on the pitch so we we work within or we're developing a model in particular where you think about can this player find a way to win if and you work through all the different scenarios that the opposition having a purple patch, we've had a big injury, they're, they're coming back from an injury and they're feeling a bit bit rusty. Um, they've not had a good a good week of form. They're playing against sort of difficult opposition. They're just a sticky. Like so, you try and break down the most challenging situations that a player finds himself in, and then design training sessions. And that's why the you know the collaboration with the coaches is absolutely essential. It's psychology is everybody's business. Developing a winning mindset is everybody's business. You know from the way PJ like brings everything the passion in the gym the way byron coordinates the medical team to to help make sure that everything is sort of the best it can be so that winning mindset has to be for all of us not just for the players um yeah effectively just working out what those scenarios are and then designing training sessions that test it because you can't just bring it on the weekend you know anthony watson will regularly be challenging the lads around that that you you got to, you can't just want to win on the weekend you've got to do it every day so um and it can be trained just like every other skill it's a it's a skill to be able to think in a certain way under pressure brilliant um thank you katie uh it's been uh brilliant and it's been brilliant hosting everyone. Massive, massive thanks to uh, you, all of our members and, and sponsors as well, as well, who've been here at this event. Um, thank you for your support. And we look forward to hopefully in the not too distant future, uh, welcoming you to the rec. And certainly in about a month's time, uh, you'll get an invite to the next event. And what we're planning to do then is to get in some real detail around the pathway in our academy. Um, so Craig Lilly, our academy manager, will be uh, on the panel with one or two players and more details of that to follow. So massive thanks to all of you. Stuart, Katie, Hats, Miles, massive thanks. I know it's a long day with everything at training. Go well on Saturday, obviously uh, up in Newcastle. Huge thanks and thank you and good night, everyone. Thank you. <laughs>